0: Welcome to the Mastering The Mind podcast, where we take you through professional elite athletes and coaches stories about how they cope with the psychological demands of competing at elite level. Today, we welcome four-time CrossFit Games athlete, Annie Sakamoto to the podcast. Annie was one of the first women to take up CrossFit starting in 2004.
1: 2011 and he competed at the games as an individual finishing ninth in the world as well as in 2012 finishing 23rd and he was also a crown champion of the 45 to 49 age group at the crossfit games in 2021 and he's been coaching crossfit for 17 years and is currently the founder of a crossfit gym which is called crossfit santa cruz central so let's welcome annie to the podcast
2: <laughs> here i am hello how are you
0: good good how about you
2: good thank you
0: H- how's your day been, been? yeah
2: <laughs> B- busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I already coached three. Jeez.
0: Okay.
1: And you got a busy day after as well.
2: Uh yep. Yep. I coach some more and I have my training to do. Okay. Yeah.
1: Nice. No, yeah. thanks so much for coming and sharing some time with us. We really
2: appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah,
0: no. No, yeah. We it must be so difficult for you to, to do the coaching and then also training yourself afterwards. Like it must be uh hard to balance everything
2: it's um it's a little bit of a juggle but I mean I'm yeah. lucky because I'm already at the gym right so yeah, at least yeah. I don't have to drive somewhere else and um so I'm already here I'm already kind of in the mode so it could be a, a lot worse
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah we finally got here because we had to obviously um reschedule after the hiccup last time um but yeah no th- thanks so much for coming on today uh I feel like it's gonna be a really good pod after doing my research on you uh, there's a lot of interesting <laughs> things to talk about
2: awesome thanks for having
1: me okay so a great place we like to start for our listeners to sort of get to know you is uh we always like our guests to sort of give us an overview you know from growing up to where you are now you know talk us through your journey to date. so who is Annie
2: okay um so I was born in Lake Tahoe California so mountain town here in California um and I was there until I was 15 Um, I kind of dabbled in sports, but I wasn't very good at anything like a little bit of basketball, a little bit of volleyball, um, definitely some skiing and snowboarding. We moved to Santa Cruz, California. So on the coast, when I was 15, I was a sophomore in high school. I'm an only child. I didn't know anybody in Santa Cruz. I was devastated. Um, but my dad got a job down here anyways. Um, I, I like chose to go out for the soccer team uh, and then like the swim team just as a way to make friends because I didn't really know anybody. Um, and that was good. I was actually able to make friends through sports, but again, I was never really good at uh, any sports. I just was willing to put myself out there. Um, I graduated from high school in 1994 here in Santa Cruz. I did a year at the university here didn't know what I wanted to do. I went and lived in Costa Rica and just surfed for about six months. Came back, did a little community college, still didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went and lived in Kauai uh, for a year. And again, just surfed and worked. And uh, my parents called me up one day and they were like, all right, if we're gonna help you you know, go to school, we'll pay for college, it's now or never. So I came back, uh, I finished out at the University of Santa Cruz in Latin American and Latino studies, no idea why. I'm half (laughs) Japanese and half Jewish, so go figure. (laughs) Um, And when I was there, I started taking this cardio kickboxing class. Uh, Like growing up, I was always called stocky. Like I just was never, um, I wasn't huge, but I was just not very lean. I was always kind of built. And uh, so mid 20s, I started taking this uh, cardio kickboxing class, loved it, kind of got into fitness, um, graduated, was like managing a restaurant and somehow found myself um, teaching some cardio kickboxing classes uh, and just kind of getting into fitness, but more like aerobics, you know, Mm Um, and a friend of mine that I had taken some hip-hop dance classes with her name uh is Eva Tordokins. she's a two-time Olympics gear was a coach uh here in Santa Cruz with the original with Greg Glassman uh coaching CrossFit and I ran into her I think she like came to one of my kickboxing classes and uh anyway she was like oh you should try CrossFit you know if you're into fitness and I was like uh I had vaguely heard about it and I was like I hear people throw up. I'm not into it. Um, And she was like, no, 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 not everybody throws up. Really, you should come try CrossFit. So uh, she did like a personal session with me and um, she was good. She really she didn't try to slam me because I thought I knew about fitness. She gave me like this, you know, mellow workout. And I was like, obviously, I'm much fitter than these CrossFitters because that workout was so easy. Uh, So I took a 7 a.m. class like the next week and just got my butt handed to me um and that was it I was totally in love with CrossFit after that I had never experienced that kind of physical mental challenge um and I was super hooked and that was in 2004 so that was like 18 years ago
1: yeah what was the community like by then because obviously something that's so big for me about CrossFit is you know, how welcoming the community is. Um, You can be at any level in a CrossFit gym and they can sort of cater towards you. How was it back then? And how have you found the progression of CrossFit?
2: Um, It was great. It actually, I mainly took the 7am class and um, it was a really good mix of kind of some fire breather athletes and then like some 50, 60 plus athletes. Um, And I think that was probably part of what drew me to it was just the cross section of people was so different um, and supportive, but there was definitely, you know, a few people there that were, that were fire breathers and that time, I think Greg was really trying to figure out like what the, what was human potential, right? Like what could people do off of eating chicken and broccoli and, uh, you know, zone diet or whatever. Um, and the, and the community was very welcoming, but a lot of the community at that time also lived on the site in the comment section, you know, cause there was a small group of us here in Santa Cruz that were doing it, but, um, but the, the greater community lived online. Um, and so, you know, every day you would wake up, you would go to the the main site, the CrossFit site, and they would have a workout posted and it wasn't always what we did at the gym, um, but they would have a workout posted and and there would be comments. And that's kind of, that's really, I think where a lot of the community started, you know, this, this people from all over the world, mainly all over the U S at the time, but really all over the world, um they really seem to know each other and oh so and so you did great but I bet you'll do even better on this one and and that was really cool to see too because this is kind of the early days of the internet right and it was like the the potential reach of the internet and what you could do not just the fitness side of it
0: definitely yeah I remember I I was watching a a couple videos preparing for this podcast on the I saw like the really old videos that you were, that you were in, like, how was that kind of, how did that come about? Like, was everything like filmed and posted online and to kind of create this community, build this community. Was that kind of the purpose behind it to kind of share it to the world or?
2: I think so. You know, I think, um, I think at first it was just a lot of, of pictures, um, you know, just showing all the different people that Mm. were doing it. And then as kind of a bigger more solid group of us started to train at the original gym and kind of push each other um i think the idea be, behind greg and lauren posting those videos was kind of like you know because obviously they were they were seeing what the, the what was the human potential you know back then the idea in in you know, sports medicine, or basically, you know, strength and conditioning was like, you can't deadlift and run, you either have to do one or the other. And Greg's whole mission was to prove no, you can have a really big deadlift and run a really fast mile, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I think he was, he was trying to prove that with a lot of us that were there in the gym. And that was a lot of the videos was to, to, you know, just kind of prove to the world of what human potential might look like.
1: yeah Yeah, something like i was speaking to john about a lot like john's not really too familiar i have like i've watched a lot of the documentaries on netflix and uh things like that about crossfit so i've been super interested i was talking to john about crossfit and he was like surely crossfitters have got to be like the most complete athletes on the planet in terms of like all sports because you know you've got to be good across the board at you know in water you get you can get thrown anything at you in the the games and you've sort of just got to deal with it and i find that like unbelievable um how you sort of cope with that um do you feel like that as well
2: yeah i mean i you know greg used to say like you know jack of all trades master of none and that's what he wanted his his athletes to be and that's you know, it's like you didn't have to have the best snatch or uh, the fastest mile time. But if you could be in the 80th percentile of both, well, then you're a better athlete than one that's really good at at either. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I feel like um, You know, I remember when we first started. Like for me, I really liked all of the body weight movements. I hated like the barbell and the heavy stuff. Uh, And Nicole Carroll, who was we trained a lot at the same time, she loved the barbell and she didn't like the body weight stuff as much. So they love to to kind of pit Nicole and I against each other with classic class, CrossFit workouts, which are you know a barbell and a body weight movement, or some sort of heavy lifting or weightlifting and body weight movement and um, yeah, I think that for sure I have become a more well-rounded human, not even just athlete, but human because of what we do in CrossFit because of that philosophy.
1: Yeah. You spoke about like how you sort of got your foot handed to you um, in your words. And uh, I wanted to know, and something we obviously talk about on this podcast is, you know, what are some characteristics psychologically you feel make a successful CrossFit athlete? Um, so things like, you know, determination, perseverance, like what would you say are the main sort of couple of characteristics?
2: I love that you asked that. Um, really, and we tell people this when they first start, and it's much easier said than done. Um, we always say, you know, check your ego at the door, like leave your ego at the door. Um, and I think that's probably especially getting started. But even throughout my journey is that you really have to keep your ego in check. You know, we'll see. 25 year old guys that used to play football, walk in the gym and they're like, all right, I'm going to do this workout. And, you know, some 42 year old soccer mom is running laps around them. And, you know, there's, there's two types of people. There's the one guy that's going to say, F -F that I'm not dealing with that and not come back, you know, find all the reasons why this soccer mom was doing it and say, I'm I'm over it. Um, And then there's the other type of person that's going to be like, all right, whatever program that is, it's obviously effective if, if this 42-year-old soccer mom is kicking my butt and I want to get in on it because I want to I learn how to do that. Um, and that's why, that's the other reason we say like CrossFit is for anyone, but it's not for everyone, right? Because not everybody can check there you go at the door and say, all right, I'm okay not being the best. And now I know what I need to work on to get better. Um, and I think that's probably the number one characteristic that you need to have To be successful and have longevity in this sport is to be humble um, and always be in a constant search to to get better, to let somebody or not, you know, not let somebody beat you, see somebody beat you and be like, all right, what do I got to do now to get better? Mm -hmm. Um, And then along with that, obviously, is going to come perseverance and really a a, a really good work ethic. it's easy to kind of get jazzed on this and do it for a month, two months, three years. Uh, but I think with CrossFit, there is no, in my opinion, there is no end goal other than just doing this as long as I can. And that is going to look different year to year, you know, depending on my age and how I'm feeling and other factors in my life. But if I can be doing some variation of CrossFit, For the rest of my life, then I will consider myself a a successful athlete, Um, and that is yeah, that is probably the perseverance and work ethic and discipline side of things. You know, again, it's really easy to to do something for a while and then kind of get burnt out or just not be into it anymore, not not want to work hard like that anymore. And um, that's probably why I love the challenge of CrossFit is I really want to do this for the rest of my life.
0: In terms of the ego point, I completely relate to that. Um, so, like during the pandemic, uh, so my sister's really into CrossFit, and that's why I'm, I wanted to kind of learn more about the sport. And um, we did like a workout of the day. And traditionally, I've always been the kind of sporty one in my family. And then she she took me on onto CrossFit, and I was like, I, c- I can't do this. And she was she was she kept going round for round, and I could not I couldn't follow her. And I was like, what's going on here? Like, um, and yeah, it was it's, it's such a difficult uh, sport, and and I was amazed of how. She she was she was she kept doing it and I couldn't follow her and I think the ego you know it it, it might have taken a hit to my to my ego you know so uh, I can completely resonate with that but uh, yeah yeah never tried it again since that day <laughs> no but um, so we know but,
2: which type of person you are no doing
0: that something
1: about CrossFit I find as well is like you know you got to start. Trying to be comfortable with being uncomfortable because yeah. the training is uh, it can be very brutal, especially from what I like uh, I see online. Like I tune into a lot of YouTube channels who who put on like cosplay workouts, and I saw that obviously you've got a, a workout named after you. Uh, how did that sort of come about? And talk talk us through that workout because it looks uh, it looks difficult.
2: <laughs> uh, it's great. I, so. You know, originally there's a lot of, um, so one of the ideas with CrossFit is that you're just doing something different all the time. You know, you you can't get really good at something because you're not specializing in it. You're not repeating it every single time. Um, But there are... You know, they Greg did believe in these benchmark workouts, so that you do repeat some things every two months, five months, whatever it is, so that you can see if you're getting better or not. Like, are you getting more fit? Um, and so the original benchmark workouts basically just had random names. They named them like they name the hurricanes um, that come through, and it was you know Angie, Barbara, Cindy, just kind of random, not named after anybody. And then um, the other, there are some other workouts that get names and they're called the Hero Wads, And that's usually named after somebody who is, you know, a fallen soldier. Um, and then just a couple of days, there was some of the original uh, girls that, that started CrossFit. And one day I woke up and there was Annie on the website, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, double unders and sit-ups. And so I'm not positive why that workout came about or exactly how those movements came about. I can only guess that I really like double unders and I really hate sit-ups, so maybe that's what it was. Um, but we were just, Nicole, Eva, and myself were, you know, three of the the lucky ones that got a workout named after us uh, without having to, you know, sacrifice our lives to get it. Um, and I think it. my workout is it's tough, but most people say it's the first one that they're able to do Rxed. Um, and so I like it for that because it's definitely a little bit more benign than some of the other <laughs> benchmark workouts. It's a, uh, it, it's, it's a fun one. It's not as brutal as some of the other ones.
0: Yeah, definitely. We're, we're huge fans of uh, knowing more about guest routines and daily routines, weekly routines. And, and we're really curious to kind of hear more about what, what your routine kind of looks like in, in terms of training and maybe preparing for competitions like before. So yeah, just, could you shed light on what it's like being a, a CrossFit, a CrossFit athlete on yes. in terms of routines?
2: Um, so I, I have a coach. Uh, when I first made it to the games as an individual in 2011 and 2012, um, a, a trainer that was here at our gym, who's just a total CrossFit geek. Like I, mm. I like the, I like more the mental side of CrossFit. I'm not crazy about doing, uh, creating the programming side. Um, And there was a guy here, Gary, and he was awesome. And so he helped me. He became my coach because I would just take the group classes up until then. So he became my coach and, and I trained much more specifically for the games at that point. Um, and then in 2016, I, I sw- 2000, late 2015, I switched over to another coach, uh, somebody that I'd met at this power monkey camp. We really connected, um, but he lives in Connecticut, um, Milford, Connecticut. And so it was gonna be really different for me because I had had a coach just watch. I mean, he was there for every single training session. Um, And now my coach was, you know, a million miles away across the country. And so he would Mm -hmm. send me programming. I would video a lot of it and send him um, the videos back, but it was actually good for me because it meant that I had to be a little bit more thoughtful. You know, my, my original coach, he would be like, add 10 pounds, do this, do that. And I didn't, I didn't have to think about it that much, um, which was great, but kind of not great all at the same time. And so my coach now, uh, he programs five days, six days a week for me. Um, and I, again, I send him video feedback and commentary and, and we check in a, a couple times a week, but it's been really good for me because I've had to pay attention more to myself and my body. And, and I have to do a, a little bit more of that work, which is good. Um, my sessions are usually maybe about two hours start to finish um a couple of strength pieces and or some accessory work in there and then usually just one metcon like you know some conditioning work sometimes too it depends on where i'm at in the season um right now we're in the middle of the open which is the first part of the season for crossfit um and so i don't have a you know i'm he he lightened up a little bit on my overall volume right now um but this stage of competition Ideally is just really to qualify for the next stage. So work hasn't been my work hasn't been changed too much. It's not like a like one of the more serious competitions yet. How is the open
1: Uh, going? Huh? How is The, the open going?
2: It's good. It's good. They, they switched it to just three weeks uh, last year. So I like that. Um, it's quick. You know, it doesn't give you a chance to kind of get burnt out on it, which I really like as an athlete and as an affiliate owner. Um, and yep, we're two weeks in. We have one more workout to go. And then for the Masters, for my age division, um, the top 10 percent will move on to the next stage of competition. Um, and then from there, the top 30 worldwide will move on to the next stage of competition, the semifinals. And then from there the top 10 will go to the games.
1: Okay. Yeah. Nice, yeah. In terms of like, um, like on, on the topic of the open and then on topic of the games, you know, in terms of your pre-performance routine, um, how do you sort of get yourself in the zone? Where do you like to be? Do you like to be quite relaxed before competition or do you like to be quite? Um, so how do you get yourself in your optimal zone?
2: That's funny. I was just talking to somebody about this. Um, I'm a very social being. And so um, I think even part of my nervousness comes out in being very chatty. So, you know, before we're about to go out on the floor for a workout, I get very kind of goofy and chatty with the other athletes, where a lot of other athletes definitely, you know, ear, ear pods in or AirPods in, and they're kind of in the zone. For whatever reason, I just get really, I think it's nervousness, you know, I get very chatty. Um But no matter what, you know, and I I never think of myself as a competitor, but it's so funny because as soon as I go out on that competition floor, you know, three, two, one, and it's like everything else really just fades and whatever I'm doing, I'm very focused on what I'm doing. And I I might be kind of conscious of of girls around me, but um, for the most part, I really try to stay in my own lane and play my own game and just hope that um whatever it is it's enough to to win that event or at least do really well yeah sometimes I don't even hear the music I don't hear anything like I really it's just me and whatever movement or movements and equipment I'm doing um so I guess in that sense you know and it's funny again like I've never thought of myself as a competitor because I wasn't a great athlete growing up but I guess in that sense I really am a competitor and that three, two, one, once we're out on the floor, like everything else just disappears for me.
1: It's really good that like you can do that because especially in CrossFit, you know, it'd be quite easy to like look across at where everyone else is at, focus on them rather than yourself. I feel like that's something I'd get caught doing a lot if I was competing in CrossFit, seeing how everyone else is getting on. Um, So it's, it's good that you can do that. Have you ever worked with like a sports psychologist or anything like that on things like this?
2: I I have not. I read a lot of books, um, a lot of mindset books for sure, um, but I haven't worked with a sports psychologist. Um, But it's funny, there was a a kid that was in here and he was going to school. He was like in kinesiology school and um, he was talking about like what avenue he wanted to go to. And I said, you know, if I had it to do all over again, I think I would get into sports psychology. I just think it's fascinating. Um, I think it's kind of the up and coming uh thing if you if you look you know my my husband's a really big surfer and you know for years surfers basically just partied and then went out in the water and surfed and then, you know, went back to their wherever and partied. And, you know, they talk now a lot more about how surfers are training, how they're eating and how a lot of them have sports psychologists. And that that's awesome to me because, you know, I, you think of it maybe more in, in mainstream sports like basketball, baseball, um, but never for like for something like surfing. And so I really like, that even these more fringe sports the athletes realize how much mindset is a crucial part of performance and they're they're hiring sports psychologists for that
1: yeah it's funny you say that because i know um like talking about like niche sports especially in the uk uh, darts i was listening to a podcast of a darts uh, player on and normally especially in the uk like they're known for you know drinking a lot eating a being quite big men Um, Mm -hmm. but now they're looking at getting like they're quite fit Uh, they're focusing on you know their mentality uh, working with sports psychologists and it's interesting because the culture around darts is very much a drinking culture so it's funny that that switch that's that's happened and I feel like all sports are just becoming so much more competitive with this uh, increase in mental health uh, awareness and also just improving because A common misconception with sports psychology is that we're just here to sort of solve problems. If a problem arises, then you sort of solve it. But really, we're here as well to improve performance. We can take it to the next level. So I feel like that's something really important, sort of you know, put in there um, about taking it to the next level.
2: I read in a book somewhere, this was years ago, but they said, you know, at the highest level of athleticism. So your 00001 percent of athletes that are competing, the people that are at the games, the you know, the guys that are on the basketball court in the NBA, whatever it is, that it's the differences are much less physical and and the the elite of the elite at that point, it's much more between the ears that's gonna set your champions apart. It's not so much the physical at that point. And that really stuck with me. Um, I mean, obviously, especially in something like CrossFit, the physical is a huge part of it, but even just to train yourself physically to get to that level, you have to be training yourself mentally um, or you're going to hit a ceiling much sooner than, than others.
0: You think the, like the CrossFit scene is seeing this, um, like introduction of sports psychologists, have you seen any other CrossFit athletes having sports psychology? Do you think it's progressing in, in that sense?
2: I do. Well? I really yeah. do. And, you know, um, I'm sure you're familiar with Tia Clara Toomey, who's, yeah. you know, now the, the five-time champ and uh, it's great because, um, If you go back and you watch some of the old movies in 2016, I think it was, she just missed winning the games. And if you watch her performance specifically on the finale event, um, you can see that, that physically she really should have had it. And it was really what happened between her ears that prevented her from winning the games that year. Flash forward a year and to see just the look in her eyes, it, it wasn't so much physically what happened, it was most definitely what happened between her ears and the way she looks uh, on the field, the confidence that she has was so different um, in from 2016 to 2017 and from there, you know, and then that year obviously gave her even more confidence and she's completely untouchable. Now at this point. Um, and it, it's to me, it's probably one of the most perfect examples of what a mind shift mindset shift can do for your performance. Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah, I think I think sports psychology, like you said, is advancing and a lot of sports are kind of accepting it now, but yeah, this. Like even just the term psychologist, like it's it's still kind of stigmatized, you know, like seeing a psychologist, like we often associate it, like Ollie said, just like talking about problems, et cetera. So it's definitely positively shifting. And yeah, I'm really excited to to see where it goes. But yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think, like you said, like more and more of the higher level CrossFit athletes, they have, you know, they might have a weightlifting coach, they might have a conditioning, yeah. coach, probably have somebody that they're working with nutrition on. And the, the higher level athletes are definitely working with sports psychologists or, or doing some sort of mindset training um, for sure. And uh, yeah, and I think you see that more and more.
0: Yeah. That's, awesome. This is one of the reasons we're doing the podcast is to kind of raise awareness on, on that kind of aspect, what you've been discussing. So yeah, Stephanie. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It's
1: all the reason why I got into psychology, you know, I, feel, I always said from uh, from the start, um, whether this is true or not, I, I believe it's to be true, is, you know, everyone <laughs> can sort of reach their physical peak, but the difference between being good and great is being able to compete when it really matters. And, you know, that's competing on competition day. Um, someone that inspires me in, in, in CrossFit was always Matt Fraser, obviously. The guy is just a, a joke on how we can go eh, like year after year after year after year. And I, every time like a documentary comes out about him or a YouTube like uh, video, I always watch it um, just on how he trains and how you talk about, um, you know, that, that determination and that discipline. He has that just down to a team mentally. He's just like there. Um, he's someone the in CrossFit that I obviously really look up to um, for sure.
2: Yeah. And it's, um, you know, you've seen almost the opposite with, with some other athletes who on paper, all of their numbers are amazing. You know, that in training, they're posting these amazing um, numbers, times, whatever it is. And then they get into competition and everything kind of falls apart for them. Um, and so you really can see that if, you know, physically you can have it, but if you can't connected especially on game day then it really doesn't matter Um, and you could be physically obviously not uh, you know more than a mediocre athlete but you might not have all of the top numbers but if you can connect all the dots especially mentally on game day it's all the difference in the world
1: 100 that's a that's a really good really good point there you know you don't have to be the best physically you could just be there mentally and sort of still perform really well um, obviously, as well as competing, you coach CrossFit, you know, what sort of your um, why did you want to get into coaching? What's your philosophy in coaching? Uh, what are your values? And, you know, how does that shape the way you coach?
2: Um, I, lo- I love I love all these questions. So um, I was, you know, when I first started CrossFit, it was like, oh, my God, this is the most amazing thing. This is I've never been so challenged physically and mentally. I love it um, and wanted to coach it. And I love coaching it um obviously I love the physical side of coaching it you know uh teaching people new movements and just and it's like a puzzle a lot of times right like what I say to one person what what that cue is I can get them to do something and I have to say a different cue to somebody else to get them to do that and I really like that because again it's like a puzzle um like I said earlier the programming side of CrossFit um, or just of training in general I that's not my jam. Uh, I'm just not a nerd like that. I love the people that are it's not it's not where I shine by any means um the but what what I love the most is connecting with people and then being able to get them to do things and I don't even just mean like lift heavier weight but maybe just think about things, approach things, I like to be able to influence that. um, Because to me, it doesn't just affect what happens in the gym, it affects how they carry themselves to their everyday life, um, how they might walk into the grocery store, you know. And um, so for me, a lot of what I love coaching is finding a way to emotionally connect with people um, to hopefully gain their trust and then to be able to sit with them when they're a little bit uncomfortable in a workout, physically or mentally, and get them to push themselves or just be able to do things that they didn't think they could, knowing what kind of confidence that gives them in their everyday life, um, that's, that's, my, that's my, my bread and butter of coaching for sure
0: clear there's numerous similarities to kind of like being a sports psychology consultant there like you know the skills being able to connect with someone so yeah you definitely have those qualities it's, it's really <laughs> interesting to see like yeah you should have you should have had a career in sports psychology <laughs> um, I know
2: and if I had to do all over although you know I feel like I I do it at a lesser level you know for yeah. just your everyday athlete um on a daily basis not yeah yeah kind of on a daily basis here in the gym but that is definitely i mean i i 100 understand why you guys are doing what you're doing because it it to me is uh it's it's what i love i mean getting people to physically um do things is great but getting people to believe that they can physically do those things is that's the fun part
0: yeah definitely i've
1: always been contra- no i got it I always feel like um, my sort of philosophy has always been, you know, the best coaches have a great understanding of psychology. That's sort of the reason why I I, I thought I wanted to be a football coach, uh, soccer coach, as you call it over there. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, so I started going through my badges. I realised in the end I didn't want to go into that. But, you know, I was always under the impression, you know, the best coaches, the best managers in, in football have a great understanding of psychology because ultimately they're going to get the best out of them. And what you said about, you know, building confidence in the gym, that definitely, you know, transcends into other aspects of their life. And that's so important. Uh, uh, what you can learn in the gym, is, it's just, yeah, it's just unbelievable.
2: Exactly. Like, exactly. Um, and I think about that even, like, because I have two kids. So my daughter's 15, my son is 13, and they're both in in club sports. And, um, and even just like what I do, and, uh, you know, a lot of it is I want – I want what they learn in sports to be able to be applicable to the rest of their lives, whether that's hard work, being disciplined, being willing to put yourself out there, being okay with failing, all of those things. um, I feel like one of the easiest spots to learn those things is in sports. You know, it's it's much, especially with kids, it's harder to kind of understand those concepts. But if you have a kid that's in a sport, I feel like it's much easier for, for kids to kind of for you to explain, well, it's OK to fail. And here's why and you didn't win that game. But think of all the things you learned, you know, whatever it is. And so I really um, I really like the life application that that the psychology of of being in a sport allows you to do.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm curious what ha- what has been the biggest challenge for you being a CrossFit coach so far? Would you say?
2: Um, I think it is, you know, on in on any given day, I have a let's say I have a class full of twelve people, the physical, um, the the physical differences like what people are able to do. You know, today I had a class where I have. 35 year old, just fire breather. This guy's, you know, doing 225 squat cleans, uh, with some double under, all kinds of stuff. And then I have another gentleman who is uh, 79 years old. I mean, he has a great squat, but he's 79 years old and, you know, just trying to take, um, a workout or whatever we're doing in that class and making it make sense and, and be relevant to each of those athletes. Um, without losing all the other athletes that I have mm. as well. So that's probably the biggest challenge. But again, um it's the puzzle. And I like that. Like I like that challenge on a daily basis of how do I not push him too much or her too much, but push him or her enough that they're going to get some adaptation. Um yeah, that's probably the the biggest challenge, but the most gratifying too.
0: Yeah. It's quite unique, isn't it, in CrossFit that kind of knowing your kind of clients and your, uh, your athletes limits, isn't it? Um, it must be, ch- it must be very challenging to, uh, to identify that. Um,
2: It is in our gym. We have a lot of 60 plus athletes. Um, and on any given day, they take our regular classes. We do have some other classes that are a little bit more geared towards 65 plus athletes, but we have a lot of 65 plus athletes that'll take our daily class. And so, yeah, just making sure that we, we're not doing things that will kind of keep them out of the gym for any significant, you know, amount of time, Uh, but also getting the other clients enough of a stimulus. It's a, it's a little bit of a juggle. Um, But the more you do it, the better you get at it. And learning how to modify something, you know, it's easy, like, like, we'll have an athlete that says, I can't do that because of my knees, my hips, my whatever it is, and not just saying, okay, do sit-ups. You know, the easy one is like, okay, do sit-ups instead. And, So the hard thing is on the fly to think about the intended stimulus of whatever the other movement was that they can't do and try to come up with um, a meaningful substitution that will elicit the same stimulus. Um, And a lot of times we'll see, you know, coaches be like, uh, you just do some sit-ups instead. And it's like, well, yeah, but not when the, you know, not when they're running 400 meters, like that's not, it's not the same thing. And what's, you know, I don't, I, I want it to be meaningful. I want it to, um, to not just be some afterthought kind of a thing. So it, that, that can be challenging is to, you know, when you have 12 people is to come up with four different variations of a workout that don't lose, um, the intention of the workout.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So being adaptable like, as a CrossFit coach is like super important. Are there any other sort of important attributes you feel like CrossFit coach should have um, in terms of beyond being adaptable?
2: Um, again, I really do think it, um, it, it, it comes down to being able to connect with people. And one of the things I was going to talk when we were talking just a second ago is, you know, kind of that art of building buy-in from your clients. And so Your potential reach as a coach is very dependent on, in my opinion, on your ability to build buy-in from your athletes. I'm sure you guys know, you know, if if you trust your coach and your coach says, we're going to run two miles backwards, but you trust that your coach has the best interest for you and knows what they're talking about, you're going to run two miles backwards. On the other hand, if you don't trust your coach and they say, we're going to do five burpees you know, every day for the next 2,500 days. And you're like, I don't know, I don't buy it. You know, you know, it's like if I so I think being your your clients trusting that you have the best interests for them, and that you really are thinking about them um, is a huge part of being a successful coach in CrossFit.
0: When new clients come in, do you maybe What's your kind of approach? Let's say, do you ask them what their current goals and ambitions are, or because like traditionally when we have a service, we tend to to think, okay, this is what I can do for you. I can do this, this, this is this, this. We can do these exercises, but I, I've learned through you know kind of practicing it's it's interesting to make the kind of client talk more, like make them um, like throw it back to them basically, and ask them what do you want to accomplish is do you kind of take that kind of approach like kind of client led
2: sort so yeah of approach? um we do and it's definitely a little bit harder because so we'll do four on-ramp sessions where we teach them the, some of the movements most of the movements we get them a little bit um you know adjusted to the stimulus and then they enter the classes and so it you know the intention with those four the, the four, four on-ramp sessions besides obviously teaching them the movements is to kind of get you know get to know them a little bit like what are they looking for? what's their background, what's their athletic background what's what's a daily um, life existence look like? you know do you have five kids and you're running around all the, all all day or are you do you have a lot of time to give like what's what are the other stress factors? Um, figuring that out a lot The hard thing is is that then you drop that person in a class, and it's really easy for those people to get lost. So, um, you know, just depending on how big the class is, how um, how experienced the coach is with the class that they go into. And so, you, you know, you tend to lose definitely some clients here and there because you're just not able to keep the connection long enough. Um, But yeah, it definitely, it's a little bit on the client too, to to make sure that they know what they want, what they're looking for and to be a little bit um, assertive with that, or just at least make sure that their, their coach knows. Um, But yeah, we definitely start with like, what are your goals and what's your background and what's, what's a typical day? Like what kind of other stressors do you have in your life?
0: Yeah, It's really interesting. You really consider the person as a whole and yeah. A, a good way to well we've we've studied, you know, kind of like motivation, and I think a good way to, for for maybe clients to stick around is maybe like making them uh train with people that's the same level as them, uh making them feel like you know they can relate to other people, and you know, and that that might that might be difficult in CrossFit because there's so many different profiles, you know. So I don't, it's it's I don't know.
2: It really it is. is, and you know, luckily for us, like I said, we have a lot of like sixty plus athletes, yeah. so. The good thing there is that, you know, if you were to walk into our gym and and we have a lot of, let's say, you know, uh, let's say a 55-year-old lady walks into our gym, it's not a bunch of 25-year-old guys without their shirts on, mm-hmm. you know, because it would be re- really easy for her to say, I don't think this is for me when you walk into our gym and you see peter who's 79 years old and my mom who's 72 years old who's here and some other guy who's you know 25 years old it's um again then it becomes well it really is for anyone it's not for everyone but it really is for anyone and and there our population of our gym is proof that anybody could be doing it
1: Mm, definitely in terms of like the elite level um i had a question around you know for our crossfit listeners who are maybe looking to make that bridge to make it to the games you know what advice would you give to them um to you know achieve something similar to what you did and and make it to the games
2: um, I think number one, you definitely have to get a coach uh, and a coach that knows CrossFit really well because, you know, obviously CrossFit is the unknown and the unknowable, but um, the, the best coaches in CrossFit will know how to prepare you best for that. There are definitely some, you know, reoccurring themes, movements, stimulus that, um, that you could that a CrossFit coach could help you with without overtraining you, you know, especially if you get the right coach, because it would be really easy in CrossFit to overtrain, you know, there's just so many things that you need to essentially get good at. It'd be really good. It'd be really easy to overtrain quickly. Um, And then I had another one and now I already forgot. Oh, my other big one, at least for me is to, to think about the longevity. I mean, obviously you could go really hard and especially depending on how old you are, how much time you give, um, you could go really hard and you could become a CrossFit athlete, a competitive CrossFit athlete, um, but you could burn out physically and or mentally in a very short amount of time. For me, like my, my, more than being a competitive athlete, my overall main goal in CrossFit is to do this for as long as I can. Um, and, you know, not necessarily as a competitive athlete again, but just to literally be coming into the gym and doing some CrossFit workout, you know, for as long as I can. And so sometimes that means not doing something today because it hurts or I'm hurting or whatever it is with the knowledge that it might keep me in the gym for another two years. 100%.
1: Yeah, we had. Uh, I definitely resonate with um, what you said about getting a good coach because we had Brandon Lookit on the podcast, a crossfit athlete, and he was talking about, you know, obviously a lot of athletes have to work as well as train, and you know, I was talking to him about, you know, you have to be so good at so many things, like you said, and how he sort of um, schedules, you know, all this training uh, within his work schedule. And, you know, he mentioned, you know, getting a really good coach who, who knows how to periodize all that, um, because, yeah, it's obviously so important in CrossFit, how much you have to prepare uh, for so many different things.
2: Definitely. And the coach that I have, Jason Lydon, he's awesome because um, it's really different at 46 years old. You know, my ability to recover is very different than when I was 35 years old, even when I was 40 or 42 years old. Like my my recovery is very different. and. Um, And a lot of that is due to the fact that, um, you know, I own my own gym, I work, um, and I have two kids that are very busy as well. Uh, And so there's a lot of life factors um, that I have going on at like external stressors. And Jason is really good. He's a dad of two. He's a little bit older at just understanding how those external stressors impact my ability to recover. Uh, And so his, his volume, his dosing is very appropriate for me and where I'm at in my life, you know, without completely dumbing down the work, he's able to get me a really good stimulus, but in an amount of time that I have, you know, which isn't three hours a day and in a way that I can recover and be ready to train the next day. Um, And that, that can be hard. And again, especially I think with um, aging athletes. Uh, you know, it's one thing when you're 25, it's like you, you can smash yourself and wake up the next day and be ready to do it all over again. Mm-hmm. If I smash myself right now, bad, it's like, it's a good week before I really feel like I could train hard again. So he has to be very careful of that.
1: It's, it's also not only just like aging athletes, but it's also, you know, we had a guest on, uh, Scott Lincoln, um, who competes for GB in shot put. And he mentioned, you know, he works a manual labor job um, yeah. as well as he's an Olympian as well, which is like crazy. And, you know, he balances work. So physically demanding and then goes to the gym straight after. And, you know, his coach understands, you know, when he's not feeling it, yeah, you know, potentially um, save yourself for another day. You know, don't just kill yourself for the sake of killing yourself. And yeah. I thought that's super important and super, um, you talk about that discipline, what you need. That's also discipline, you know, understanding Uh, where you need to like call it a day and, you know, rest up.
2: It really is. Cause it's, you know, and um, I'm really good with my discipline in that. Like, if I have a list and I have these things to do, I will lay down and die to get those things done. But like you're saying, maybe sometimes to my detriment, you know, like sometimes I need to say like, I'm taxed, I'm, I'm not feeling it. And I need to just not do this thing. And like you're saying that, that takes some discipline. You know, um, and I'm, whereas I'm like, nope, I, it's on the list. I got to get it done. So yeah. uh, I need to be a little bit better about the discipline you're talking about.
1: Yeah, I, I'm the same. I'm yeah, the I'm the same. I'm all, the same. We're, we're all like that. Yeah. I think it's sort of that personality thing. You know, you, you want to like keep going, achieve, achieve, achieve. But sometimes it's that discipline to say, no, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to relax today. Right. Yeah. You got to
2: cut your losses and and be better the next day instead of dig yourself into a deeper hole.
0: um, yeah i just get things done on the list because of the the crossing out part that's the (laughs) that's the best part
2: (laughs) feels so good doesn't it
0: oh it's the best feeling
2: it really
1: is and obviously on our studies we've done a lot of research around burnout and it's a it's a major issue so you know it's important that we talk about these things Um, i it's definitely something we should like clip up and, and put out on social media because you know people need to understand that as well um in terms of like your future steps, sort of what's next for you? Like what do you hope to achieve in the coming years, future goals and ambitions?
2: Um, again, my, my most um, my most important goal, the thing that I wanna do is really be doing CrossFit forever, coaching it forever and doing it forever. Um, and again, if that means that I have to take a step back as a competitive athlete, you know, be that physically or mentally because I'm burning out, then, then I will. Um, because I really want to be doing CrossFit absolutely as long as I can. I already have, um, you know, 18 years of CrossFit under my belt. uh, And I wanted, I want to more than double that. Um, And then the other thing, you know, being a competitive athlete for me, I love it because uh, I guess I am competitive. You know, I don't see myself as competitive, but I I do think I am. But I also really want to be a role model uh, for my kids And a lot of that is just that I want them to see, not that I want them to be a professional athlete as much as I want them to see what it means to be passionate about something um, and be dedicated to something and be willing to sacrifice for something, you know, it's like, yeah, I could do this, but that means I'm not going to have a good training day tomorrow. So I'm going to sacrifice. I'm not going to do the thing that I want to do because I want to train or you know, it's raining and it's this and it's that, but I'm going to do my training anyways. And I just want, I want to model that behavior for my kids. Um, because it's one thing to just say it right. And it's another thing to show them that. Um, so that's, those are probably my biggest goals in CrossFit winning the games last year was amazing. And obviously, you know, I've, I've been competing for a while. And so that was definitely a goal, but it wasn't my ultimate goal. But it's nice to, to have done it. <laughs>
1: yeah, for sure. 100%, no, that's, that's really good. Um, just before we sort of finish up, we have like a sort of one-word answer segment that we like to do. We sort of had like a, a CrossFit month. You know, I, I asked a lot of um, CrossFit athletes to come on and to be fair, the CrossFit community is like super open. So it's like we're going to have a CrossFit month of all the guests.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> so yeah, we'll ask you one for one each question and just give a one-word answer. Okay. Hardest workout?
2: Fran. Okay.
0: Favorite workout?
2: Mm. Almost anything that has ring muscle-ups. Okay. That wasn't a one-word answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, That's Diane. Diane, I'll go to Diane. <laughs> okay. uh,
1: favorite place you've competed in?
2: Miami. Ooh.
0: Okay, okay. <laughs> <in> the UK? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, favorite achievement in CrossFit.
2: Spirit of the games. Yeah.
0: Favorite food. Chocolate. Ooh, you should try the Belgian. I'm from Belgium. You should try the Belgian chocolate. Oh, okay. I'll send you some uh, over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hopefully done. it doesn't melt <laughs> on the way. Deal. Though. Um. um Best friend in CrossFit?
2: Ooh. We don't, Ooh. Want, to start,
0: we don't want to start any drama. <laughs>
2: no, just... um, my coach, Jason Lydon.
1: A big one. Uh, cats or dogs?
2: Dogs. Yes. I, so I have a whole <laughs> album on my phone of dog selfies. I have an obsession oh. with taking dog selfies
1: my word my phone's the same like i recently got a dog in like my yeah my camera roll is just filled with pictures of my
2: dog <laughs> <Stop> <laughs> photos. i'll send you guys some of my dogs yes please yeah, yes yeah. please <laughs>
0: um and then the last one is biggest inspiration in crossfit or in life or both
2: mm Hmm. Eva Chordokins. Okay, So she's the one that got me into CrossFit originally. Um, mm-hmm. She is a two-time Olympic skier. Um, she, three years ago, was in a horrific uh, plane crash, just a little like single engine plane. And she really should have died. If you saw pictures of this plane, she shouldn't be alive. She sustained a massive uh, TBI, traumatic brain injury. And um could barely walk, like could barely talk. Uh, and for you know a good year and a half, again, was was barely able to walk by herself. Um, flash forward three years. She is squatting over 200 pounds. She's deadlifting 240 pounds. She's shortboarding down in Mexico, surfing by herself. Um, she's coaching Olympic lifting here at our gym again and she is um, she's skiing again uh, and she just bought a plane again um, wow. so by far she is one of the most inspirational people I know and it really it came down to um, her resiliency both physically and mentally
0: she's, uh,
1: definitely a super inspiring story of that and uh, yeah obviously that's unbelievable uh how people can sort of turn it around like that um super inspiring thanks for sharing that with us
2: yeah definitely thank you
1: yeah um just before we finish up, uh we'll talk about dogs and that um i've been recording a day in the life today uh, and just something i want to do before we finish is just uh if you could just both wave to the camera uh, <laughs> yes when you are. tell us when <laughs>
0: <Sure>. <laughs>
1: so. Yeah, no. Oh, yeah. Um, is there anything you sort of want to shout out or say? We normally give this segment all your socials and that will be in the description of the YouTube video. Is there anything else you want to sort of shout out or say?
2: No, I just really appreciate you guys asking me. Like, um, Again, I, I definitely connect with you on the mindset stuff. I, it's my favorite part of CrossFit by far. Um, and so I love that you guys are doing it and, uh, and talking about it and having podcasts and guests on because it's uh, the most fascinating and I think... Kind of where the most potential lies uh, for any athlete is what's between the ears. So I love that you're doing it.
1: 100%.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a, yeah. it's been a great podcast. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, you know you're gonna have to get us out there to start surfing because <laughs> I'm terrible. At it. All right, <laughs> you, you
2: bring the chocolate. I'll bring the waves.
0: Okay, <laughs> deal. Deal. <laughs> All
1: right. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you could please share it with your friends or someone you would feel would benefit from it. Most importantly, like, subscribe, comment down below any questions or guests you'd like us to get on in the future. Go follow us on Twitter, and Instagram. Links will be in the description of the YouTube video, or find us at Master in the Mind Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next one.